What's up, PC Familia members and sports fanatics around the world? Yes, you guessed right. Welcome back to the Press Coverage Sports Show. It's brought to you by the great Persistence Media. Look us up at Go Persistence Media on IG. I am your host, Jason J. Sills-Holmes, and we are coming to you live following up the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. And like we've had this whole trip through the NFL playoffs, we got none other than Press Coverage's best football insider calling in today on the Mel Eats hotline. And Mel Eats is a wonderful prep service of meals that will keep your macro gains on track no matter what your needs are whether you're looking for losses or you're looking for gains or something in between mel has it for you at mel eats look us up at persistence culture dm us figure out a way to get your hands on some of these delicious meals so on the mel eats hotline we got the nfl football insider for the press coverage sports show my man my partner in crime jimmy thornton what's up jimmy hey what's up Phil? how you doing glad to be here how you doing listeners sorry i let you down last week but i'm gonna get it back <laughs> hey, we can't be Mr. Perfects every weekend, all right? So if you have any Mr. Perfect weekend, you got to live, you got to bask in that infamy, all right? You know, that that that, that weekend was, should live forever, Jimbo. Solid start to the playoffs. I don't know if anybody could have done really that good on this week's playoffs. Um, I was almost kicking myself in the ass because remember how I said, I was like, initially I wanted to take all four road dogs and... Uh, I ain't going to lie. When your boy Josh Allen threw that touchdown pass with uh, 13 seconds left, I was like, son of a bitch. All four road dogs are going to hit this week. Damn it. I should have I trusted my gut, you know. Um, but that boy Pat, that boy Pat, I don't know. What did you think of the action this weekend, Jimbo? I want your take on it, man. How, how, how did it hit you? Was it entertaining? Yeah, I think most of the games were pretty entertaining. Uh, obviously, some of them went, you know, in direction I didn't see going. But uh, they were all pretty good games. I mean, some of them, not, not the greatest. But for the most part, I think it was a pretty good showing for the, for the weekend. Come on, man. That was an epic week of football, man. We had three road teams win on last-second field goals in the divisional round of the playoffs, man. I thought that was pretty good, Jim. I mean, I granted, your picks didn't go right. I get where you're a little sourpuss in that. But, damn, I mean, dude, that was some good football, man. I mean, for the most part, it was pretty good. I'm not complaining. I'm not much on the teams winning by field goals. But, you know what I'm saying? It is, but it is part of business. You know what I'm saying? Well, like uh, like uh, Joe Montana said, every time we kick a field goal, I feel like I'm that much closer to losing the game. I can understand that. Wise words, unless you're Evan Kickpherson for the Bengals, my new favorite freaking player in the league other than Joe Burrow. Man, that guy is a fucking thug, Jimbo. He is a badass. I love me some Evan McPherson right now. Um, a... Here's the things that that kickers need to be uh, high on my ratings of NFL players for me to even consider them. A, they need to have a badass nickname. And B, they need to be just like ice cold and cool in some way. Uh, So Evan McPherson, nickname Evan Kickpherson. Cool as hell. I like it. Yeah, exactly. Right. Dope nickname. And then he tells Joe Burrow, after he throws that pass to my boy Jamar Chase to set him up for a field goal, pats him on the back as he's about to go on the field and go, well, Guess we're going to the AFC Championship game and then goes and drills a 54-yarder. That's pretty gangster when it comes to kickers. It most definitely is like the confidence. He's, got, he's definitely got some swag to him. I like what he's doing out there. Yeah, me too. I'm a, I'm a big fan of this young man. Uh, rookie out of uh, Florida Gators. Uh, definitely definitely a lot better than, you know, uh, pulling a Martin Grammatica tearing an ACL after celebrating a 38-yarder. You know? So, I mean, kid's got things going for him. I like him. I like him. Uh, but, yeah, so... My Bengals, they kept my ticket alive. The hottest ticket on the uh, on the old sports book right now of me getting the Bengals to win it all. Um, so I like my chances. You know, we're dwindling down the field, baby. Dwindling down the field. You you think? Uh, do you think you gained more confidence uh, in the Bengals this this weekend or lost confidence in them? I definitely gained confidence in them. Uh, they were playing a team that was a solid football team all the way around. And they made plays when they needed to make plays. And they looked like they were ready for the moment. They didn't look like they shot away from it or got nervous. Stuck to their game plan, and then and they came up with victory. I'll say, I agree, I agree, man, I agree. You know, um, I, I'm I'm all in on the Bengals. Uh, they're my new favorite team for this playoffs. Uh, don't worry, I'm still riding with the Dolphins. Why I don't know, but um, when they're out of it, which I'm sure they will be next playoffs, I'll be rooting for the Bengals again, I guess. Um, but yeah, so this year I'm all in on the Bengals. Um, what about the Niners coming up with the upset on Green Bay, man? I mean, to me, Jimmy G. I don't know, man. To me, Jimmy G was trying to lose that game. And it's almost like the Packers didn't want to take it. I mean, it was just, it was just a weird, it was a weird feeling in that game. To me, watching it, you know, one thing I always thought about Aaron Rodgers is that 
he makes all the throws he needs to, right? He doesn't really force things. He doesn't just airmail things. You know, he he hits the open man. He, he kind of conducts the game like it's an orchestra, like a like a symphony out there, you know, and he's uh he's he's Bach or Beethoven or something. He's out there just doing his thing. He knows exactly when the harps are gonna kick in versus the cellos, you know? And he was missing wide open under routes and overthrowing deep balls by 20 yards. And I don't know, and it just didn't seem like he gave a shit. What do you think, Jim? Did, did Aaron Rodgers give a shit this weekend or not? I think he did. I don't think anybody wants to go in there when you're a MVP candidate and go out there and completely tank the game and lose. Uh, I, I'm not going to put the whole the loss on him. Obviously, he didn't play as well as uh, I'm pretty sure he hoped and that Green Bay hoped they would. But, I mean, they just got beat by a team that wanted it more than they did. Man, I don't know. Yeah, Rodgers just seemed off this week. He seemed weird, man. He looked like he was playing fucking Oregon for the California Bears again or something. I don't know. Just, uh, just a weird... Weird, vi- weird, weird vibe I got from old A. Rogers this this weekend. You know, it just didn't seem like he ever actually tried to go win the game, which is just weird. He usually seems like he's always like he's just got that like uh, coldness to him, and he's gonna go win it. And he just didn't have it, man. Is uh, you know, I don't know. I had a weird, weird feeling to it. Um, how did you feel when that snap went over Stafford's head in the Bucks in the Bucks Rams game? Did you think that was it? Did you think the Bucks when the Bucks came back and tied it up twenty seven twenty seven? Were you like, well? Tom fucking Brady, here he goes back to the NFC Championship, or did you still have a little faith in the Rams? Oh, absolutely. When 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 that happened, I was like, all right, Tom Brady's about to do it again. Like we know what this is. He gets that ball in his hands. He's elite. <laughs> he, he's gonna put a show up. You know this is how it's gonna go down. But they maintained. I give him that. They maintained and they they made the plays happen. Yeah. Uh, Matt Stafford showed me a little something. Showed me some poise. You know what I'm saying? Didn't panic, and he kept him on track. But yeah, I definitely thought that when the Bucks got the ball, I was like, oh, this is about to go bad. This is about to go bad. bad. <laughs> Me too, man. Honestly, I was shocked when he dropped that dime on Cooper Cup. But when he let it rip, I was like, Cooper Cup's running wide open somewhere right now. Like, as soon as he let that ball rip like that, I knew there was no way he was throwing that to anybody but Cooper Cup. And I didn't really see the whack-ass coverage that the Bucks were playing. Like, I wasn't privy to it. And and when I watch the Rams, I do try to, when they're on defense, I try to watch what Aaron Donald's doing right at the snap of the ball. And that's going to dictate the outcome of the play 99% of the time. Then... When they're on offense, I usually watch the way Cooper Cup takes off off the line, you know, and what kind of coverage they're shading him with, and it's usually an easy way to tell um, who's going to have success that play. And uh, I wasn't paying attention to Cooper Cup, but as soon as he let it spin, I was like, I guarantee Cooper Cup is fucking running wide open somewhere, and Carlton Davis is running around looking at his teammates, acting like it's their fault. Um, <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. I mean, uh, to me, the Buccaneers were just outmatched, and they got beat. They got beat. Yeah, they did. They, they looked a little old out there. They, they did look old. a little they old. A step slow. Yeah. They made you know turnovers. They made some bad plays, and I, they just didn't look like the team from last year. Yeah, and to me, the main hinge point, like we talked about in last week, wasn't there. Tristan Wirfs. I mean, him not playing, I think, did a great deal of damage to the Buccaneers. Not only performance, but also just Brady's level of confidence that they were going to block for him. I think him not having big old Tristan Wirfs out there um, at right tackle to help with these goons on the Rams defense, I think he was nervous going into the game. He'll never admit it. You know, he's Tom Brady. You know, there's no way he's ever nervous, but that mother lover was nervous. I don't think he wanted to get whacked around out there, you know, um, and now he's talking about his wife doesn't like seeing him get hit and this and that, you know, after he got his mouth bloodied up, you know? So I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? What do, what do you think, Jim? Uh, do you think that? Yeah, Tom, I, 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 think, I think that Tristan Wirth being gone definitely was a big difference because he looked like he was trying to get the ball out like earlier. Things weren't really developing. Obviously, he didn't have his best receivers in there, but still there were some plays that could be made, but he was he's throwing some of the passes into the ground and throwing them wide and it just he just didn't look comfortable at all. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, and now hearing him talk, man, to me, it seems like Tom Brady's going to retire. I don't know. I never felt like he was actually going to retire. Hearing him say all this random shit these last uh, day and a half now um, where he's giving these little candid interviews talking about how he's talking with his family and they need a dad and his wife needs a husband and all this uh, stuff, this, that, and the third, and seeing him doing crypto commercials and stuff like that. Seems like uh, seems like young Tom Brady is uh, going to finally hang him up at the uh, – young spring chicken age of 44. Um, do you think it has anything to do with him getting popped in the mouth and having that bloody mouth in the game? Do you think he stopped for a second and was like, what the fuck am I doing out here with a mouth full of blood at 45 years old, damn near? Uh, 
Still trying to win. Still trying to win Super Bowls when I got seven. When I got two more than any guy that can, you know, even think about his whole entire franchise winning. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think that really played into it. I think maybe he's just starting to see the writing on the wall. I mean, obviously he didn't play terrible or anything. I just think that like maybe three hundred yards. Like, All right, this team. Three hundred yards. Yeah, he didn't play bad by no means, but you got to think how bad it was going until they started getting some turnovers because it looked like that game was about to be well out of hand early uh, before they started getting turnovers. But I don't think the one play really factored. I think he just start maybe he's starting to see that. All right, this team we've already accomplished what we wanted to accomplish last year. We got so somewhat close this year, and maybe they're going to have people leaving and stuff next year. So maybe he just thinks the coaching staff's going to be broken apart, and it might just be time to go ahead and call it quit. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think the coaching staff might be the biggest damning factor, you know? I mean, he ran back the same exact roster this year, which is absolutely unheard of after a Super Bowl winning team because usually they get gutted by all the bums, you know? Usually the bums just want a guy that won a Super Bowl, you know? And that's why they stay the bums, right? Um, because they go over paying for these guys that weren't really the winning factor in that Super Bowl. But they kept the entire whole freaking starting roster, which is uh, obviously it wasn't all on the field um, this last game that they lost. But you got to look like, I mean, is Tom going to have a better chance next year? Let's say your boy Lefty Witch goes, to, uh, go, goes home to Jacksonville and is the head coach there. You know, now you got a new offensive coordinator potentially. I mean, I don't know. I think he's going to hang it up. I think he's going to hang it up. And one last caveat to this uh, Tommy hanging it up question is, do you think Tom Brady will return to the NFL as a coach? I don't think so. I think that maybe he goes and does broadcasting or something like that. But yeah, I, I hope not. I hope not. I do uh, not want to see Tom Brady. Hey, that man got some cachet to be out there talking. You know what I'm saying? I hope not. I, yeah, I'm not saying he didn't earn it. I'm not saying that every single broadcasting company in the world would be chomping at the bit to pay him more than he ever made in a single year as quarterback to just sit up there on Sunday mornings and ruin my morning football talk by being Tom Brady up there talking about it. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. I want to see Tom Brady, you know, go and I, I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know what he's going to do, but I, I'll, I'll see his little commercials and things like that. But he better not be doing no damn um, morning recaps and things like that. I don't think he's uh, I don't think he's witty enough to be a, uh, a broadcaster. Um, I do want to say one thing I do want to while we we're talking about broadcasters here and I'm going on my little soapbox rant about Tom Brady. Um, I do want to say that I thoroughly enjoy the way that Tony Romo calls a game. I really like Tony Romo as a broadcaster. The way that he called that Bills Chiefs game, I thought it was fantastic. I think he's I think he's by far the best broadcaster out there across all the networks, you know? I mean, no you're wrong. I love Troy Aikman and I think that I think they all do a decent job, but I feel like Tony Romo is almost all spot on with all of his little in-game predictions. Um, he's smart. He's witty. He makes a little bit of jokes here and there. He's got a good voice. You know, I'm all in on Tony Romo, man. I can see him being like the next John Madden of freaking play calling. Uh, what do you think? You like you like Tony's uh, you like Tony's broadcast? Uh, he, he he's good. I'm not. I mean, I'm not a big fan of him, obviously. But I mean, it's not because of his style. I do like his energy. His IQ is definitely top notch. I think the reason I just don't like looking at him because I don't like looking at Cowboys players up there talking that nonsense. Especially we need to win nothing. But that's not his fault. I'm not saying he wasn't good at his time. I didn't have the best team. But he, he is entertaining. I would give him that. But I, just, I don't know what it is. Something about seeing Cowboys players up there like they were like the greatest players on this team or something. That's, it destroys me. Jason Witt got him for Christ's sake. I can't have it. I can't have it. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. All right. There you go. It's a similar, similar, uh, similar feelings to uh, to Tom Brady that I have uh, with Tom Brady that you have with Tony Romo. So I can respect that. I can respect that. Uh, but you know, I, ha- I I enjoyed his I enjoyed his telecast of the old uh, Bills Chiefs games. But with that topic coming up, let let's get in. Let's get into the first topic of today's uh, today's show. Um, so out of all these three home teams, right? We talked. I, I talked about it right right when we started off. You know, we had three road teams win on last second field goals this week in the divisional round. Um, so out of these three home teams that lost those games this week, which has the biggest disappointment and who do they have to blame for that disappointment? Jimmy, who you got? I'm going to go with by far it was the Green Bay Packers. I mean, I don't think really too many people gave the 49ers a chance to really win that game. If both teams are playing well, they clearly did not play well. Uh, Aaron Rodgers only had 225 yards, no touchdown. He was sacked five times. Uh, Devontae Adams had nine catches, 90 yards. Aaron Jones had nine catches, 129 yards. And the saddest stat, and this is why I put the blame on, and maybe it's just me, 
that receiving core, when everybody else on the team only had two catches for six yards, how do you expect to win a game like that? Wow. That's pretty damning right there. Damn. Yeah, that's a good stat, Jimbo. Nah, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, my, my, my Aaron Rodgers missed some throws. I, I, I admit that. He missed some throws. Uh, the game plan looked pretty good. I think they got away from the run way too early. They should have kept pounding the ball and then tried to break them down on defense a little bit. But your receivers and your tight ends, like two catches, six yards, what is that? That's not even pro level. That's not even like NFL Europe level. <laughs> NFL Europe, shout out to the Forgotten League. Uh, but yeah, damn, that's pretty damning, you know. That's pretty damning. And you know what? I kind of like those other guys, though. I like Lazard. I like Vandez Scantling, you know. I like I like those uh, the, those jabronis that he throws out there with Devontae Adams every Sunday. They usually produce. They usually produce. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, how, how is this the, the biggest game of the year for y'all? And you, you can't get one catch, like... But some of those guys didn't have nothing. That brings me back, though. But did they have targets? And that's where I'm like, I'm like, was Aaron Rodgers actually trying to win this game? You know, was he actually trying to win the game? I mean, go back and watch the footage. You know, he looks lethargic out there. He looks like he's got fucking COVID or something, Jimbo. I don't know what's going on with him. You know? I doubt they were getting a lot of targets because 18 of his 29 targets were to Aaron Jones and to Devontae Adams. Well, there you go. So that leaves you 11 targets, target. 11 targets, but there you go. That's enough, yeah. honestly, if you ask me. 11 targets and you only produce two two yards and, uh, I mean, two catches and six yards, that ain't going to get it done. That ain't going to get it done. That is not going to get it done. Yeah. So, all right. So they, they had some targets. So what's up, Al Lazard and Vandez Scoutling? Um, yeah, that's pretty disappointing. And I get where you're going with, with Aaron Rodgers. I'm pretty disappointed in the way that he acted. You know, I just, I just feel like the way that he was acting in the game to me just struck me quite odd. I don't know. I was just watching him. It's like, he was like, it's almost like he wanted to burn the Packers fans and fucking lose as the one seed. <laughs> like, seriously. Like he was checking, like he was checking out on Seriously. The he looked like a douchebag out there. And that wasn't because of his hobo haircut. You know, I mean, he just, I mean, you know, I just, <laughs> he didn't look like he was trying to win. He didn't look like he was trying to win. He looked like he was already getting ready for the Pat McAfee show to talk about how all the options are on the table this offseason. You know, and I'm, I'm over I'm over Aaron Rodgers, and I hope, I hope, I hope that the Dolphins don't go in on this dude. I hope he ends up on some fucking team like the Broncos. If he goes to the AFC, I guarantee Aaron Rodgers will never win another Super Bowl again. There's no way he's coming out of the AFC. The AFC is filled with a bunch of just purebred, thoroughbreds, ready to sprint out the gate quarterbacks. I mean, I can name fucking five quarterbacks right off the tip of my tongue that's better than Aaron Rodgers in the AFC right now. And, you know, if he goes to the AFC after this, he's done. Um, so I get his disappointment because to me, if he's going to go to the AFC, then, yeah, this is a huge disappointment because he ain't going to win no Super Bowl in the AFC. I'll tell you that right now. Um, I don't know if you feel the same way about the AFC. Do you think there's a substantial talent uh, difference between NFC quarterbacks and AFC quarterbacks? Yeah, I think the AFC definitely has the better quarterbacks. Um, they got guys that look like they're ready for jumping to the next level, you know, like Joe Cool and Justin Herbert. And if Deshaun Watson comes back, I mean, I don't even think it's Oh, really fuck, I wasn't even thinking of Deshaun Watson. I wasn't even thinking of D-Watts. Holy shit. Yeah, I don't even think it's close. Holy shit, man. I forgot about Deshaun Watson. See, that's what happens when you do a bunch of weird sex stuff to Sean Watson and get yourself in trouble, man. What the hell are you doing? You should have been a allegedly. dolphin. Allegedly. Allegedly. Allegedly did a bunch of weird sex stuff. Sorry, Deshaun. <laughs> I want to see you on the field, man. You were like literally, he, literally Deshaun Watson was like one of my favorite players in the league, and he still is, but he needs to play. You know, I, I, try, to, I try to separate my feelings with my athletes. I'm not one of these people that really, you know, you could say what you want, but you know, I'm not, I'm not in the, I'm not in the business of watching football to look for role models. I'm just not. All right. And, and neither, neither are my kids. They never will be. All right. I'll be their role model. They don't need Deshaun Watson to teach him how to be a man, but they do need Deshaun Watson to teach him how to be a badass quarterback. And he does that by playing on the field. Um, so I'm a little bit I'm a little bit bummed out by the whole situation. I hope it gets settled, um, and I hope it gets settled properly, right? I don't want to like I don't want to like victim shame anybody, and it's terrible if he did take advantage of people, and that's not right, and he should pay his consequences. But let's let's figure out those consequences and let's get the man back on the field, right? Um, so that's this is getting way off a of topic here, but yeah, that's another quarterback that is actually on an AFC roster that I didn't even think about. Man, the AFC is stacked, stacked. It is incredible. It's like the Western Conference in like the late 90s and early 2000s of the NBA. 
I mean, like, is there even a point of a, of a NFC representative right now? Um, that's how I'm starting to feel. If it's not Tom Brady, I mean, Tom Brady got it done last year. Um, but uh, I don't, I don't know. I'm looking at the NFC right now, and I'm looking Stafford. I'm looking Jimmy G. Has our potentials to go to the Super Bowl? And I don't know. I don't know. I'll take my chances. Not the strongest. I'll take, not, the strongest. not the strongest. I'll take my chance with the other two fellows in the AFC. Um, but to get back on topic, the team uh, that lost at home this weekend that I think was the biggest disappointment. Um, as good points, good points by the Packers. Definitely huge blow. Huge blow to the Packers fan base. Because um, there ain't nothing else to do in Green Bay. I mean, that's all they got. So they're basically years over until September. So that's a burn uh, for them. But I think the biggest disappointment out of those three home teams that lost, I got to go Tennessee, man. I got to go Tennessee. All right. So you got a team in Tennessee that now has lost three straight playoff openers as the number one seed. First time in history that it's ever happened that a team has been the number one seed going into the playoffs and they've lost three years in a row. Seriously, man. That is like some Buffalo Bills stuff right there. Like that is like, that is just... That is just like like a just straight gut punch to the whole organization, not only to the fans but to the management that's paying these guys all this money. So that's just a blow. And then on top of it, they did everything that they needed to do to win. They did everything that they needed to do except for run the ball with Derrick Henry more. Why they didn't, I don't know. Maybe he's not hundred percent healthy. Maybe I don't. I, I, that's the only reasoning I could think. But if that's the truth, well then why don't you run Deontay Foreman? Deontay Foreman has four carries for like sixty yards in the game. Four carries for 60 yards. How do you have 60 yards on four carries? He was your all-time lead back before Derrick Henry came back miraculously from his foot injury. And he gets four carries for 60 yards and you stop running the ball. He has no carries in the last 12 minutes of the game. Makes no sense to me. Makes no sense to me. And then on top of it, you have nine sacks in the game. Joe Burrow is now the only quarterback to ever win a game getting sacked nine times in the modern era. And I'm not talking playoffs. I'm, a, I'm talking ever. Nine sacks. You still win. He's the only guy. That's it. Yeah, so, no, don't forget to mention that AJ, uh, AJ Brown also had a really good day out there as well. So they were getting it done in the passing game as well with AJ Brown. Exactly. They were getting it done at times. I'll tell you what. Yeah, yeah. I'll tell you what. You cannot open the game throwing the ball with Ryan Tannehill. You cannot open the game throwing the ball for Ryan Tannehill. And then what does he do? He just... He just freaking telegraphs a pick. I mean, like, it wasn't even a good throw. It was a bad, it was, it was a, what was he looking at? Like, Jesse Bates was already breaking on the ball before he even cocked his shoulder back, you know? He was still patting the ball in the pocket, and he's breaking on that hitch route to Julio Jones. It's like, and, and honestly, if Tannehill switched to that play call, then he's completely damned, and he should be blamed on it. But shame on you, Mike Vrabel, or whoever your offensive coordinator is now, because I know the offensive coordinator, Arthur Smith, Great offensive coordinator left for Atlanta. And maybe this is the first uh, chink in the armor where you notice, hey, maybe Arthur Smith was worth the fucking damn, and that's why I got a head coach job. Because who calls a damn pass play to Ryan Tannehill on the first play of the game when you got King Henry back in the saddle? You ain't fooling nobody. You don't fool people. You're the Titans. Just hand the ball to Ryan. I would have gave the ball to Derrick Henry the first four plays. I don't give a shit if it was fourth and nine. I would have just ran it with Derrick Henry again anyways just to let him know. Hey, you sons of bitches, we're going to give him the ball 40 times today. Let's see if you can stop it. I don't know. So I'm disappointed in the Titans. I'm, I'm thankful for them because they kept my bet slip alive, but I'm, I'm, I'm mostly disappointed in the way that they approached the game this week. So shame on you, Titans, for not running the ball with Derrick Henry a little bit more or Deontay Foreman. If Derrick Henry's not that healthy, why do you change your game plan? Threw the ball way too much for Ryan Tannehill. So that's what I'm going with with my disappointment. I, I, I see where you're coming with Green Bay, you know, and the wide receivers to blame. Um, me, I'm blaming the offensive coordinator for the Titans. Ryan Tannehill was Ryan Tannehill. So I'm not going to blame Ryan Tannehill for being Ryan Tannehill. But I will blame the offensive coordinator for the Titans for trying to act like Ryan Tannehill was Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow was Joe Burrow. He got sacked nine times. He stayed Joe cool. And as soon as he got the chance to stab a freaking dagger right into the throats of every single Titans fans out there, he did it on that nice little 18-yard out route to Jamar Chase with time expiring. Gave it to Kick Fearson. Boom. Story's over. And I'm starting to think there might be a rematch. It might be another little Bengals 49ers rematch, but we'll get into that later. Uh, right now, Jimbo, I want to know who you think is the most influential player now left in the playoffs that is not a quarterback. Obviously, quarterback's the easy way to go. I want to know who is the non-quarterback 
that will determine their team's chances to win the Super Bowl the most out of everybody left in the field. Give it to me, Jim. Who you got? I'm going with Debo Samuel for the 49ers. Ooh, nice choice. I like Debo, man. I'm becoming a big Debo fan. Not going to lie, but uh, Diga, man, give me some details. Yeah, he's so versatile. I mean, you got to run the ball with him. He catches. He can catch passes. He can beat his man. He's a good blocker. And he's like a, such a big part of that offense to throw people off, uh, off guard because, you know, they want to run the ball and play defense. So I think that if he can keep producing, he can give them a chance to win. I think if he doesn't produce, they have no chance of winning. Now, I know I thought the same thing about Green Bay, but I don't think uh, the Rams are going to lay down and again. I, mean, I know they've lost twice to San Francisco this year already, but yeah. I don't think they're going to lay down because they look like they're playing – they're playing pretty well. Yeah, they're 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 hitting cylinders now. Since that little sputter at the end against the Niners, um, I can go with that. And I really do like Debo Samuel. I know he's super duper important to the Niners' offense. Um, and yeah, if they score six points <laughs> this week, as far as the offensive group goes, they're screwed. That's it. You know, that's it. Just one blocked punt for a touchdown is not going to get it done for them this week against the Rams. I completely concur with that. But. I feel like I feel like the Niners have more stuff going for him, man. I feel like I feel like they give the ball to Elijah Mitchell Mitchell more, you know, run him some more. I just feel like Debo is definitely a part of this since they run him so much. I just feel like if Kyle Shanahan just runs the ball more. What do you think about that? Do you think they just got to take the ball out of Jimmy G's hands? Do you want to see Trey Lance on the field this week or you think Jimmy should take all the snaps again? I think Jimmy should take all the snaps again because I think at this point you have to decide if you're going to keep him or if you're going to move on from him. So he's going to have to show you that he's got the goods to not only get you to a Super Bowl, but actually win, I think, personally, to save his job. So I think you have to give him the opportunities to show that he's the future of your team. And if you don't believe in him, then you bring in Trey Lance or, or you come up with some trick plays or whatever you believe you need to win. <laughs> but you have, you have to give him a chance to prove that this is his job. Okay, I can dig that. I can respect that take. I can respect that take. And uh, I do like Debo. I think he's a, a highly critical piece because it's going to be the hardest part for the Rams to defend because they line him up all over the place, right? You can't just you can't just stick Jalen Ramsey on him and just say, hey, Jalen, lock up Debo. Because if, if that was the case, I'm going to take Jalen Ramsey against Debo Samuel any day of the week. But if you're going to line him up in the backfield, let him run 12 times, and you're going to run fucking end arounds with him, then you're going to throw screens to him. I mean, Debo was a goon in that Green Bay game. A lot of people like want to say, oh, but the block punt and oh, they only scored six points. But man, there was a lot of plays where Debo was just barreling through people. Like, I mean, he was running like Josh Allen in the end of that Chiefs game. You know, I mean, where he was just he was looking for contact. And I liked it. I liked it. You know, he was uh, he was he, making he was definitely play, he was definitely playing with a ship on his shoulder. For you know sure. I'm, I'm pretty sure they were hearing all the noise that they really didn't have a great chance against Green Bay and they're playing at Lambeau Field, and he completely just used that as fuel and ran the ball down their throat yeah. and just made plays after play after play. Yeah, Debo went goon on him. Debo had the squeaky tires out there in Green Bay. The tires are squeaking in Green Bay. Um, yeah, I like I like Debo. Um, but I got to go with the most influential player as none other than your boy Joe Mixon. So I think okay, okay. I, I think so. Uh, you know, Joe Burrow is my favorite Joe in Cincinnati. But I think the most important Joe in Cincinnati that's going to be traveling to Kansas City this weekend is going to be Joe Mixon. Um, So Kansas City obviously proved that they can't defend the pass. So don't get me wrong. I mean, Joe Cool is going to have to go out there. He's going to spin it. He's going to do what he does. He's a thoroughbred. You know what you get when he lines up in the gates. When that gate opens, he's going to be ready to go. I don't have any doubt about that. They can sack him 12 times, and I don't think that's going to influence the game any more than the nine sacks did against Tennessee. I think they do need to throw that back shoulder fade to Jamar Chase. It's on, It's basically uncoverable. I don't think they threw it enough against the Titans. Uh, I don't know exactly why, uh, but that back shoulder fade, the timing with him and Burrow, you know, it's 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 impossible cover. You know, I mean, they threw it over and over against the Raiders, and in the last uh, meeting against the Chiefs, they threw it to the tune of fucking what did what did Jamar Chase have like two hundred and twenty five yards receiving or something ridiculous. It's not that it's not stupid. It was just dumb. He had like eight catches for like almost like 250 yards. It was just ridiculous. It was like, it was like me and you were playing a game of Madden or something, Jimbo out there. And I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to throw the Jamar Chase whenever I feel like it. And it's going to (laughs) work. And you end up slamming your controller down on the ground and breaking it because 
of frustration setting in. The Chiefs were breaking their controllers the last time they played Joe Burrow. Uh, and I think they're going to be bla- breaking their controllers again this weekend because they're going to set it up a little bit better with Joe Mixon. Uh, Joe Mixon, to me, is one of the top backs in the league. I feel like he slipped in the draft because he had some personality, some character questions, and rightfully so. He has a little bit of a tainted uh, past, but those things are in the rearview mirror. Um, he's been nothing but a positive guy since coming into the league. And uh, they're 3-0 and this year when he rushes for 100 yards. They're 5-0 and in Joe Burrow's career when he rushes for 100 yards. Seems weird. I thought that he would have more 100-yard rushes over the last, you know, season and a half or whatever when Joe Burrow's playing. But he's only run for 100 yards five times. Uh, a lot of that might have to do with because Joe Burrow's just uh, j- just a, a straight thug. You know, he just goes out there, you know what you're going to get. You know, you, you see what you get and you get what you see. And he's going to throw for 300-something yards every game. Um and you don't really have to worry about Joe Mixon. But when they do get Joe Mixon involved, they always win. Um, I don't buy into that Chiefs rush defense. And a lot of people get caught up in wanting to throw against the Chiefs. Rightfully so. I mean, Josh Allen and Gabriel Davis themselves threw for every single yard that the Bills had. I don't even know if another guy caught the ball that game. I think still, I can remember yeah, like I can remember Stephon Diggs catching one two-point conversion. Other than that, every other play was a 70-yard touchdown to Gabriel Davis, who was basically like... Uh, uh, caught in between a tight end and a wide receiver out of freaking UCF. You know, I mean, the guy always not no first round pick. The guy ain't no, he's not a thoroughbred like Jamar Chase. You know, I mean, there's, I mean, there's, there's a clear separation. And then you got, then you throw in Tyler oh, Boyd. They're, they're definitely cut from a different cloth. They're definitely mm-hmm. cut from a different cloth. 100%. 100%. I think Gabriel Davis only had like six touchdowns on the year. And then he had four in the divisional yeah. round. I mean, shame on you, Chiefs. You can't stop fucking Gabriel Davis. And he's been the only one working you all game long. And you just can't cover him. I mean, the one dude, the one dude fell down. It looked like Allen, it looked like Gabriel Davis was Allen Iverson at the top of the key with a crossover. I mean, he sent him into the first row of the fucking stance. And it's like, what are you doing, dude? <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> What's happening here? What is happening here? And I think that was on like fourth. I think it was on fourth and 18. Fourth and 18. And you're going to fucking get crossed over on a, on a on a corner post move. I mean, come on. That's not a new route. That route's been in the route tree for a fucking decade now. Jesus. He looked like a cornerback from the 1950s seeing the first ever corner post route. I mean, the dude didn't know what to do. So, you know, I don't buy it, man. I think Joe Burrow is going to carve these fools up, but I think they're going to give a nice dose of Joe Mixon once they get an early lead because the Chiefs love falling behind. I say the Bengals get up early, and then they just then they just run the rock with Joey Mixon, baby. Run Joe, run Joe, run Joe, throw Joe. And that's going to be the and key to success. About Joe Mixon, um, I think that if you're able to establish a run with him, it'll keep your offense definitely more balanced to where you're not going to keep getting – Joe Burrow sacks if they can provide a pass rush. Yep. And also it allows you to control the clock. You don't want to get into a shootout with these guys. No, nah, you don't want to get into a shootout. And I think the Bengals kind of know that. And they did get into a shootout with them a little bit the last time. Uh, they just got lucky in the second half that the Chiefs stopped shooting. Um, I, I, I like the Bengals' defense. I don't think it's good enough to get into a shootout. Um, so I think the Bengals are going are gonna to come out with a smart game plan. I would hope so from uh, Zach Taylor. I, I'm really starting to like this guy as a coach. At first, I thought he was a dud until he got Joe Burrow. So I don't know if it's Joe Burrow. I don't know if it's him because I mean, you see Joe Brady without Joe Burrow. Joe Brady gets fired. <laughs> you see Zach Taylor without Joe Burrow. They're talking about Zach Taylor getting fired. <laughs> now all of a sudden, he's the best coach there in the fucking go. league. What's so, the, I mean. What, what, what's, the, what's the common denominator there? That's what I'm saying. Joe, Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow will get you a job, and then he'll get you fired when you don't have Joe Burrow. Uh, but I think, I really do think that they just get Joe Mixon working, and Joe Mixon goes thug on him, and uh, he's ready to play. Uh, and I, I think the Bengals, I think the Bengals are going to be ready to go, Jimbo. And I think it's going to be all because of Joe Mixon. I'm really looking forward to. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that game. I really am. Really am. Um, I think. I think this top four that's in the NFL is pretty exciting. Are you happy with the top four we ended up with? Yeah, I think it's going to be some good matchups. I mean, like I said, I, I would have thought that if Green Bay would have played better, it would have been a better matchup with them and, and the Rams. But I'll take the 49ers. I think the Packers beat the shit out of the Rams, though. I think the Niners and the go? I think the Niners and the Rams is a fun game. Yeah, in Lambo, in Lambo, the Rams coming up from Southern California. They already, they already got worked up there. They already got worked up there. 
They really yeah, were. I thought, I, thought, I thought the 49ers were going to get work, uh, work, but they proved me wrong. We both kind of did, but we were also both kind of on the fence, though, man. We said, you know, it'd get, yeah. it would get in trouble late, you know, and they just never did because Aaron Rodgers just seemed like he didn't want to play, man. I can't get past that, dude. Look, Go look back at some highlights, man. It looks like he doesn't even give a shit. Like when he misses throws, it's almost like he was, you know, he just didn't want to turn the ball over or something. Or, I don't know. It just it seemed really weird. It seemed really weird. Uh, I don't know. Maybe he had a fix in on the game. Just throwing out that random conspiracy just to start a buzz. Who knows? Um, but regardless, he did not do enough to win. Um, so he's not part of the top four. So as we're speaking about top fours, because we are going to have to get ready for our survival pack episode to uh, help listeners survive after the NFL, NFL season is over, which is coming up uh, before we know it. Before we know it. I mean, this is literally the last weekend of the year. Uh, well, not of the year, but of this season that we'll have multiple football games on. After that, we're down to two. We're down to the Pro Bowl, which who gives a shit about that? And then we're down to Super Bowl Sunday, which obviously is epic, but it's epic sadness after it's gone. So with that being said, we'll shift gears to a thing that I like to hold on to uh, well into March, and that's college basketball. So out of the top four teams left in college, not left in college basketball, but ranked right now in college basketball, uh, we're about to talk about who we think has the best chance to win it all. Because typically the nice thing about March Madness is you never know. Usually if you're the number one team in the country, it's very rare that you run the table, go the whole season, or even at the start of the March Madness that you win it all. So here we are with our way too early prediction for who will win it all in March Madness. And I'm going to take this one first, right? So at the recording of this show, the top four in the country are Auburn, Gonzaga, Arizona, and Baylor currently. So out of those four teams... Of those four teams, I am going to go with the Auburn Tigers as my pick to win it all. Granted, yes, the number one team in the country, so maybe that's a cop-out and it's easier pick, but hear me out. So their only loss was to UConn, and that was in the fourth game of the season. You know where that loss took place at, Jimbo? I do not. The battle for Atlantis in the Bahamas. <laughs> okay? Guess what? The final four is in Indiana, right? Big difference in the Bahamas. A lot less, in, a lot, a lot less distractions in uh, lovely Indiana than there is in the Bahamas. All right, so I can see the Auburn guys. I can see the Auburn guys getting a little more distracted there and let UConn sneak up on them in a double overtime win. All right, and the SEC is stacked. Okay, they're playing in the SEC and they're playing against a real Kentucky team. This Kentucky team is legit. I almost might pick the Kentucky team more than them, but the topic is the top four, so I'm going to stick with the topic. And I'm going to go with Auburn. They're playing in a tough SEC. Bruce Pearl's now seasoned. Went to the Final Four, what was it, two years ago? Went to the Final Four, yeah. the, the pre-COVID Final Four. He was in it, right? He was in it. He won the SEC that year. So he's chased. He, he's tasted championship. He's gotten him to a level. He's got arguably maybe the number one, two, or three top pick in the NBA draft, which is one of the prerequisites to winning a championship, it seems like, in March Madness most times and not. Um, so I think Auburn's got everything that they need. They got everything that they need, um, and I think Bruce Pearl might be the guy to lead him to that championship. Uh, so, Jimbo, you agree? Disagree? You got another pick? What you thinking? They're, they're a good pick, but I'm a, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Gonzaga. Okay. I like I like what they're doing there. They were they were close to winning it last year, just couldn't pull it out. They played well right. this year. Uh, Drew Timmy playing well. Chet Holmgren looks pretty good, legit. Um, they beat some pretty good teams. They beat Texas and UCLA this year. They lost close to Duke, and then they lost to Alabama. So they're playing solid, quality teams that are ranked and playing really well against them. They were good last year. They're well coached. I'm, I'm, I'm picking them to take it all this year. All right. All right. I can't really argue that, right? Because I like Gonzaga. I do think they're good. I like Holgram. I think he's a good kid. I mean, I, if he gets in the weight room, he's going to be all right in the NBA. He definitely needs to bulk up a little bit, though. Um, he definitely needs to get a little weight training in his life for sure. Uh, and I do like them. You know, they beat Texas, who's maybe was a little overrated at the time that they beat him at five. Um, but when they beat Alabama, I feel like Alabama was an underrated team. It's another SEC team, though. I think the SEC is uh, incredibly stacked this year. I'm really surprised with the depth to the SEC basketball teams this year. One thing that I am most impressed is they beat Texas Tech, too, who has shown to be a very, 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 very high-level team. I mean, they've beaten Kansas. They've beaten Baylor. They've beaten a lot of good teams. So um, I give it to you. The Zags, are, the Zags are playing tough competition, and guess what? They beat everybody else by 30. 
<laughs> it's like, you know, they, you know, they, they smash bum ass teams. So you figure that's like uh, equivalent to a first and a second round matchup. All right. You're going to win the first and second round match. You're going to the sweet 16 with an average victory of fucking 30 points a game. That's pretty good. So I can't really fully argue that, but uh, for the sake of argument, I'm going Auburn and I would love to see Auburn versus Gonzaga in the national championship. My main thing about the national championship is I don't like seeing rematches. I want to see a team that hasn't played a team again in the national championship. So that's what I'm looking for. I don't want to see Duke Gonzaga. I don't want to see Texas Tech Gonzaga. I don't want to see UCLA Gonzaga. I want to see two teams that have been battling all year, smashing teams, go head-to-head. So I think Auburn-Gonzaga would be a good matchup, and uh, it'd be fun to bet on. That's for damn sure. Um, one thing that's not fun to bet on, because it makes no sense at all, is how people get into the Hall of Fame, Jimbo. Because right? if, if I was betting on who deserves to get into the Hall of Fame, I would make absolutely no money. I'd never win. All right. So uh, for all the listeners out there, we're recording this on a, a beautiful Wednesday here in uh, Southern California. And the Hall of Fame voting just took place. One person got into the Hall of Fame this year for baseball. Uh, that was Big Poppy David Ortiz. Um, credit to him. Credit to him. Had, you know, he had a great career. Great career. Uh, he got in. He got in. But my my beef here is that there's quite a few names out there that uh, me and Jibbo are going to go back and forth on this one. And uh, we'll take turns on names and we'll go off of whether or not we think they deserved to get into the Hall of Fame. Um, and then we'll just make a little bit of a brief argument on why. And we're going to start with the man that did make it in, Jimbo. You got Big Poppy David Ortiz. Should he have made the Hall of Fame of baseball? This year, first year absolutely. on the first year on the ballot, first year on the ballot. Absolutely, man. He's he's one of your best clutch players. You know what I'm saying? Get him up there. You know he's gonna give you something. He's won World Series. He's a key player. Like I, I don't have an argument to say why he doesn't deserve it. You gotta be kidding me, Jimbo. This is the man's. I'm taking big poppy off that. No way. No way. No freaking way. No way. This is first year on the ballot, right? First year on the fucking ballot. Here a guy is who's basically a DH. What did he play? Fucking a handful of games at first base. And at that, he was basically mediocre to below average. Can't even play first base. The guy's a designated hitter. Granted, he has 500 home runs. Granted, he has some big moments against the Yankees as a Red Sox. So I know that holds sentimental value. Guess what? This isn't a sentimental participation trophy kind of fucking thing. If you're going to keep guys like Barry Bonds and uh, Roger Clemens and Kurt Schilling and people that we're going to get into uh, later on in this debate out and you're going to elect David Big Poppy Ortiz on the first freaking time he's up on the ballot hands down to get in, it's absolute blasphemy. Shame on ma- shame on Major League Baseball. Shame on Major League. Who's to say, hey, hey, David Ortiz has a popped drug test on his record. Has a popped drug test on his record. So who are you to say that David Ortiz never took steroids, never uh, did any of this other, um, you know, uh, what do they like to say, uh, credibility damaging uh, issues in their uh, career? Give me a fucking break. David Ortiz has been shot, and he's got a, 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 a fake a pop drug test. You know what? People don't get shot for no reason. You're not just hanging out in a place, and you just get shot for no reason. I don't buy this bullshit, man. And then you're going to elect David Ortiz first, and then leave guys like the names I just mentioned out hanging in the wing. I cannot side with you on this one, Jimbo. Um, no thank you. To me, no designated hitters in the Hall of Fame. Designated hitters never should have even been a thing. It is what it is. I, I just can't go along with that. So we'll leave that at, uh, we're going to disagree with on that one. Um, and I'm going to move on to the next one. Uh, the next name on our list is Barry Bonds. Okay, so it's well, document, it's well documented on why everybody hates Barry Bonds in the game of baseball. Uh, and to me, that's fine. But 100% yes. He should have been in the Hall of Fame. This is a fail on the part of Major League Baseball. Like, what is this? Like, what is this? It's already it's already a bad problem that Major League Baseball is losing the popularity contest. Then you're going to turn the Hall of Fame into this stale, like, prestigious, protected thing where we are trying to value character and all this, that, and the third. And it's like, 
You didn't take into account all these old timers and the shit that they did probably back in the 20s and 30s and things like that that would be frowned upon. We're not going to go back and find out, you know, hey, were these people racist? Hey, were there women beating cigar smoking drunks that were playing baseball back in the 20s, 30s that we revel as heroes? I mean, give me a fucking break. Give me a break. And now here we go. We got Barry Bonds, who before any steroids was already a Hall of Famer. There's no one that'll argue that. He was he was, he was was in the 30-30 club, the 40-40 club, damn near the 50-50 club before he ever even thought about putting a roid in his ass. But he's got bums like Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa out here breaking the home run record in front of him, you know, and, and bums like just like just these random people that are hitting 40-50 home runs a year. And, you know, Barry Bonds, he did what everybody else was doing, you know, and it's a, and, and it's just it's just bullshit. The guy was a Hall of Famer. If he would have quit before the steroid, quote unquote, steroid era ever began, he would have been a first ballot Hall of Famer. And now he just gets boned and doesn't get it. So to me, Jimbo, it's a 100 percent big old fail by the MLB for holding these bullshit standards that no one else was ever held to. And all of a sudden, because of steroids, for whatever reason, it's become the it's like Ronald Reagan and his war on drugs. And I'm not with it. I think Barry Bonds should be in there. And if anything, he might be the damn first bust you see when you walk into the Hall of Fame. That's how I feel, Jimbo. What do you think about Barry? Oh, I agree. I think he should have been Hall of Famer on first ballot, regardless of, you know, the, the supposed steroid use and all that. Because like you said, he was already a Hall of Famer before any of that. He still, like, there was nothing that he did not do well. You know what I'm saying? Like, he did everything well, but not great. You know what I'm saying? And steroids didn't have nothing to do with him being such a great hitter or a great fielder or stealing bases. So I don't, I don't, I don't really care about the steroids as much as I, I guess other people because I, I know what he was as a baseball player, and I think he's a great baseball player, and he deserves to be in there with the greats. I agree. I agree. All right. So we got another one on the list. Roger Clemens, Jimbo. You're taking Roger right. first. Roger Clemens. Should he be in the Hall of Fame or should he not? He should be in the Hall of Fame as well. He was still a 20-game winning pitcher multiple times, multiple Cy Young, dominated. You know what I'm saying? Did it for long in his career, steroids or not. I mean, I don't know about you, but I know I'm taking Robert Clemens over any Pirates pitcher that's ever played. <laughs> Agreed. I'll keep this one short and sweet. I don't think steroids really helped Roger Clemens' career that much. You could say whatever you want. I mean, whatever. The guy was the guy was the guy was out there pitching every single night. His 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 production never changed you know wherever he went at whatever age he was there I think Roger Clemens should be hands down in there hands down in there um obviously I'm going to start siding towards obviously against the the steroid debate but that's just how I feel um you got a problem you can let me know about it at the press coverage sports um we'll put this up for maybe we'll put this up for debate and see what the listeners think uh about these uh selections that we're going through um and see if they disagree or agree with us um but coming up next on the list is Kurt Schilling all right, so Kurt Schilling, I'll take Kurt Schilling. Um, I hate Kurt Schilling, right? He pitched for the Phillies. I'm a, I'm a Mets fan. I'm a Mets fan. I think Kurt Schilling is one of the most overrated sons of bitches out there. Um, but you know what? I respect the man's body of work, okay? Um, I feel like the bloody heel game gets a little bit more love than it deserves. I mean, come on. It was a blister, right? Are we fucking kidding here? It's not like the guy had a fucking ruptured Achilles out there while he's pitching. It, <laughs> I mean, the back, of, the back of his heel was bleeding. I mean, it's not that big of a deal, right? But I will give him props that he went out there and pitched his ass off for the Arizona Diamondbacks and helped beat the Yankees in that series, one of the most memorable World Series series that I can remember in my, you know, short span of watching baseball. Um, I think Kurt Schilling was the epitome of consistency, uh, and I, I feel like he deserves to get in there. And you know what? I'm going to give him a little bit more props, too, because he basically said, take me off the ballot right now. Like, either I get in this year or take, I don't want to vote again. I'll wait until I get to the veterans. I'll wait till I get to the veterans committee and guys that really know what the <laughs> fuck they're talking about. And I'm like, that's what I'm talking about, Kurt Schilling. Respect to that. So, uh, yeah, I say, I say Kurt should be in there. I mean, you look at you start looking at the list of guys in there. I think Kurt should be in there. What about you, Jimbo? Got a little love for Kurt Schilling? Yeah, I got love for Kurt Schilling. I uh, was never a big fan of him, but like you said, I respect his body of work, and he was one of the better pitchers in the playoffs when you needed him to be. Like you said, the bloody sock is what he's known for, but he had other really great performances in the playoffs as well. Like you said, you know, the Diamondbacks and whatnot. So I would put him in there because I, I would want him in there if the game's on the line out there throwing the ball for me. Yep. Okay. I think we agree there. I do want to make this one note. 
The biggest travesty of all the Hall of Fame batting, though, I think, is my boy, and I hate his ass too because he played for the Braves for almost his entire career, is Andrew Jones not being in the Hall of Fame. I think it's complete, utter bullshit that he's not in the Hall of Fame. Andrew Jones is the biggest jip out of all the greats that aren't in the Hall of Fame. All right, so just listen to these little details, right? He's got the most defensive runs saved in Major League Baseball history by a long shot of any outfielder. So he saved approximately, based off of the metrics and stuff, 234.7 runs in his career. Uh, Second place... A guy by the name of Roberto Clemente. And he's at 204.8. Okay? He's got him beat by almost a 30 stack. All right? It's ridiculous. He had a decade, a decade-long peak in war. He had the highest war in the league for a decade straight at his position. Okay? I'm going to keep going. Then, he won a gold glove every single year in that decade. And he has hit the fourth most career Home runs in seasons while winning gold gloves. Behind only a few guys you may have heard of. Willie Mays, Ken Griffey Jr., and Mike Schmidt. You know how much fucking percentage of the Hall of Fame vote Andrew Jones got this year? 41.2%. It's complete. That's it. It's complete bullshit. He got into an argument with his wife in 2012 that they're trying to hang over his head, but it's bullshit because he was getting crap results in votes before then. I think the MLB Hall of Fame is the biggest sham of anything, and I think if there's any type of AP out there or some type of associated press organization that could start a new MLB Hall of Fame, it needs to be done because it's complete bullshit. It's a bunch of whack old-timers voting on nonsense for no reason, and this is the reason that MLB is out of touch with its community. It's out of touch with potential young stars, and it has to rely on international players to fund, to, to fill in the league, you know? Obviously, they're great talents, no knock to international players, but there's a reason it doesn't grow domestically in the U.S. anymore because we can see through your bullshit, MLB, and it's nonsense, okay? So we're going to end it on that note. I do hope the Mets win the World Series this year, but MLB, I'm getting tired of your shit. Fix it. (laughs) That's it. There's my point on the MLB right now for now. Get out of this damn lockout too so we can see uh, where these free agents and coaching carousel lands. With that being said, Jimbo, time to get on to the best topic of the show, the championship game preview and predictions. So enter this weekend, one last weekend of multiple football games for us to uh, set gaze upon. This week, we got the NFC Championship and the AFC Championship. We're going to start off with the AFC Championship, which is none other than the famous underdogs of the Cincinnati Bengals taking on the heavy favorites of the Kansas City Chiefs. What do you think of the game, Jimbo, and who you got? I think it's going to be the best game of the weekend. And uh, as much as I would like to see Cincinnati win this game, ah. I'm uh, you know what I'm saying? I, I can't I can't bet against my man Pat Mahomes. Come on. I mean, it just seems like whenever you think they're finished, he finds a way to get the job done. I do like good old Joe Cool. I like what Cincinnati did this year, but I just don't know if they'll be able to keep up scoring. Now, if they can, you know, slow them down a little bit, keep the game close, I think they may be able to pull it out, but I just, I think the Kansas City's going to run away with this one. I cannot, I cannot agree with that, Jimbo. Next week, I want to hear you say, I can't bet against my boy Joe Cool. That's what I think you're going to be saying next week. Uh, Maybe I'm speaking where my money is uh, more than where my uh, mind is. But I'm going Bengals, man. I think, uh, like I said earlier in the show, they run Joe Mixon. They come up with a good game plan and a way to protect Joe Cool. He's going to spin it enough times to uh, Jamar Chase. And I think everybody's kind of focusing on Jamar Chase. We haven't heard about T. Higgins. We haven't heard about Boyd. We haven't heard about Uzmata. There's a lot of weapons out there that haven't been tapped in yet. All right, when Joe Burrow threw for 530 yards, Jamar Chase only had 110 of them. All right, so I think the full arsenal is going to be on display this week, and I'm taking Cincinnati in a runaway, baby. I'm not only taking them on the money line straight up to win. I feel like if you want to get crazy and sell some points with Cincinnati, if you got a bookmaker that'll let you sell points with Cincinnati, do it. Give them three. Give the Chiefs three. They're covering three. I like confident. They're covering three. Go Bengals. Joe Cool, baby. Uh, we're riding into the Super Bowl. Now, that leaves us with the NFC Championship. A rematch from the last week in the season, which only is the reason that the Niners even have a chance to be playing in this game. 
Rams beat them. Niners don't even make the playoffs. Who the hell knows what's happening? Who knows? I mean, the fucking Cardinals could be playing the Packers this weekend if that game doesn't go the way it goes. That's just the way it happens, right? You know, one little moment in time changes the way that everything uh, everything happens. Um, Niners injury report almost looks like a blank slate. Uh, Trent Williams' ankle didn't look like a blank slate injury report, but they're saying he's fine. Maybe they shot him up with some cortisone. He's going to be all right. We got the Niners and the Rams. Last last time seemed like a home game, right? Niners fans had that SoFi Stadium packed. They were rocking and rolling. Stafford looked shook at home. Kyle Shanahan, 6-0 against Sean McVay. Four of those games, he had Jimmy G. The other two, he had fucking Nick Mullins and some other dude. Um, <laughs> so so I, I feel like... I, was, I, was, I, it, hey, was it, was it, was it, was it CJ Bethard? Uh, CJ Bethard, I believe the young man's name there was. Go. I believe he's third. That I feel like... Bad. I feel like he's third-string quarterback. He's out here representing the Jaguars right now. Oh, is he? Is he on third string on the Jaguars? I knew he was... Uh, I, I, I think he's a second string, actually. <laughs> oh, okay, he's second string. That's good. That's good. That's good. Second string. He's moving up. He's moving up. I think he was third string when he played for the Niners. Um, he was. Yeah. So, um, with all that being said, you know, it doesn't it doesn't seem like quarterback really makes much of a difference when they play the Rams. Um, guess what? Last time they played the Rams, they had Vaughn Miller. They had Aaron Donald. They had Jalen Ramsey. They were at home. You know, I mean, I just, I, I just, I, I think, I think the Niners got their number, man. I think the Niners are going to come in cool, calm, relax. Kyle Shanahan's going to run the ball right down their throat. They're going to make Vaughn Miller play, play, play rush defense. They're going to make Leonard Floyd play rush defense. And uh, I think they're going to come up with a killer game plan. And I think they're going to win. I think they're going to win, man. I'm going Niners. Straight on the money line. I'm going double dogs. I'm not double guessing my gut this week. Uh, I'm going double dogs on a two uh, two teamer screamer uh, this weekend. And uh, what do you think about that, Jim? I like the confidence. I thought about taking the 49ers, uh, but I'm going with the Rams. I think that they are going to shut down that run game. Maybe not stop it completely, but shut it down enough and make Jimmy G make throws because we know he's prone to mistakes. He's prone to panic. He's prone to throw the ball with his eyes closed. So I think that as long as they can get pressure on him, he will make a mistake and he will lose his game. And it's called a no look game, pass. He's probably going to lose his job as well. It's called a no look pass, Jim. All right. It is a no look pass. I'll give you that. <laughs> but the only thing that matters is the ball actually has to go to your receiver, which it did not go to his when he did it. So I definitely, I, I think that they're going to force him because I think they're going to get pressure on him. Uh, we don't know how healthy Trent Williams is going to be, but the Rams defense looked really good against Tampa Bay. They made Tom Brady uncomfortable really early in the game, and I think that set the tone. But unfortunately, they had turnovers at the end. They still got it done, but I don't see that really happening because I don't think the 49ers are built to play from behind, and I think they're going to go down early, and I think they're going to struggle to get back in the game. And I just don't think they're going to have enough firepower in the end. But I would not be surprised if they do win, but I'm taking the Rams to cover. Okay. I feel like that's been the story with the Niners every week This in our uh, little playoff prediction. I won't be surprised if they win, but I'm taking the other team to cover. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let's see let's see let's, let's see what happens let's see what happens uh, but you know what with that with that preview and prediction that is bringing us to the end of this week's episode and at the end of every episode we end the show on bump and run and today's bump and run is brought to you by sweet fuel protein bars it's a persistence foods company that provides you with the best tasting protein bars on the market hands down and guess what this month we got a sweet deal for you now through the end of january you can get that sweet deal anytime you buy two sweet fuel protein bars you will get the third for one dollar yes that's a one dollar so you're getting three protein bars for basically the price of two it's on match you can use the code Sweet deal at getsweetfuel.com. Again, that's sweet S W E E T deal D E A L all together at getsweetfuel.com for this deal. Or you can find them at Earthy Mama Artisan Market. Next time you're shopping Ventura, hit them up. I'm telling you right now, you will not be disappointed. Take advantage of this sweet deal. Jimbo, I'm lined up. Bump and run style, baby. Old school like Aeneas Williams. Give it to me. Keep me on the line. That's what I'm talking about. All right, so this week's bump and run question is going to be touched on a little earlier, but I want your your thoughts in depth on this. Do you feel after three straight losses as number one seed, it is time for the Tennessee Titans to move on from Ryan Tannehill? 100%. 100%. I feel like 
The tough part is going to be finding a replacement. I definitely think they need to move on from Ryan Tannehill. He's done a great job. He's proven, he's basically proven his critics wrong by saying, hey, I can take a team to the playoffs, right? He never really got to do that with the Dolphins. The one year we did go to the playoffs um, with him as the quarterback, he got hurt right at the end of the year. So we ended up limping into the into the, uh, into the playoffs without him as our quarterback. So he never really got to fulfill that promise. So I'm happy for him that he was able to do it for the Titans. Um but I think they need I think they need a true gunslinger at quarterback to kind of second that run game between Henry because I feel like they got one maybe two years left of it. You know? You look at all the great you look at all the great like just cow bell, just brute runners from basically the end of the nineties till now. They only have about four or five years. You know, you go back, you look at guys like uh, Larry, Larry Johnson and uh, Priest Holmes and uh, Marshall Falk. You know, I mean, they literally have the years you can count on one hand. They have a few years when they're coming up like, hey, this dude's might be pretty good. And then they just have like about five years where you're like, man, this dude is a fucking game changer. That's it. I feel like they're down to their last maybe one or two of Derrick Henry. Um, so they need to find a quarterback now. Um, Aaron Rodgers might be a good fit, but he's going to be in the AFC against them boys. I mean, you start thinking AFC quarterbacks, you got Patrick Mahomes, you got Josh Allen, who some people are calling the best quarterback in the league, which I think is freaking outrageous. Um, but you got, you got guys, you got a lot of guys out there on established networks saying this kind of bullshit. Um, and, uh, I just don't buy into it. You know, if you want a linebacker that runs, you know, jet sweeps or whatever. And when Cam Newton was doing this shit in 2015, nobody was calling him the best quarterback. You know, so absolutely we're not. So I don't buy into the bullshit. So uh, Josh Allen still got to prove it to me. Sorry, pal, but you still look like the same old Bills. Can't get it done. Um, so you got him though. You still got him. You got to compete with. You got uh, you got young Joe Burrow. You got uh, you got uh, Justin Herbert, who I saw flushing on somebody in like a random pickup game the other day. Like just coming, just coming <laughs> down the lane, just coming the down the lane and well. slamming on somebody. You know, what I mean, it's like where'd that come <laughs> from? On the court. I'm telling you, man, you don't, you don't think Justin's got that in the old tool belt? He does. All right, you know, you don't play him in no pickup game neither. But you definitely don't want to see him uh, spinning the ball against a mediocre defense. He'll carve you up. Uh, so there's five right there, and we haven't even gotten into your boy, like you said, Deshaun Watson. We haven't even talked about El Freaky Lamar Jackson. I mean, we're not even like I mean that's just that's just the top seven quarterbacks in the AFC. So, I mean, Aaron Rodgers would really, yeah, Rodgers would be really uh, betting against himself to take a, to take a deal like that. And I don't think they have the offense set up for him. I don't think he would want to go play. uh, I don't think he'd want to go play for a uh, Mike Vrabel kind of team. And I don't see them getting rid of Mike Vrabel either. What do you think about if they can make a play and get Russell Wilson? Now, Russell Wilson would be obviously a big upgrade from Ryan Tannehill, but. Same problem. You're taking it. Do you think he do you think he would be enough to get them over the top? He would make them better, but they were already the number one seed. So I mean, they're going to be in the sure. same spot. I think the difference would be is that Russell Wilson wouldn't throw those interceptions. He would probably run the ball or just take a take a sack or scramble so, and throw so it if away. If, if, if he don't, if he don't make those turnovers, do you think they they wouldn't have beaten? The Bengals this week. Oh yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Ryan Tannehill. You know what I'm saying? Like you said, they Ryan Tannehill right, doesn't. But those turnovers yeah. killed him. Ryan Tannehill doesn't throw those last two hundred. The first one, whatever. That was the first play of the game, so obviously it was a funky yeah. taste. But they shook it yeah, off. Yeah, they shook it. it off. They came back. They tied it up. So you can't really say that one had anything to do with it. But that tip pass. Yeah. That tip pass. Everybody's like, "Well, the ball got hey, ball got tipped." You know, it's like, no, he threw it right at the fucking guy. He's lucky the guy didn't catch it on the first try. It's like throw that thing yeah, into the, reason, the ground. The reason the ball. Yeah. The reason the ball got tipped is because he put it in the worst possible goddamn place. <laughs> exactly. For the ball. It, it, it wasn't like a freak dive. The dude barely got some fingers on it. It was right in the goddamn dude's mitt. Exactly. It got tipped because he threw it right into his fucking hand. <laughs> That's why I got tipped, you know? I mean, so I can't give him no pass on that. You throw an interception on a screen pass, that is your fucking fault. <laughs> and there's no one to blame other than that. You throw an interception on a screen pass, that's all you, Ryan. That's all you, buddy. Um, so, yeah, they need to find a replacement, but I just have a tough time giving confidence to any real NFC quarterback sliding over to the AFC and saying that they're now like favorites to, to win a Super Bowl because the AFC is just filled with a bunch of studs. I mean, it is just, it, it is one hell of a lineup. Those, those teams are only going to get better. Exactly. I mean, all those guys that I just named, they're basically all under 25. Let's think about it. You got Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert. Um, who else were we going with? Uh, 
Deshaun Watson, I think, is, will be 26. Deshaun Watson is like maybe 26. He gets back on the field. Yeah. You know, whatever. Pat Mahomes, he's still a youngster. Josh Allen, what oh, is yeah. he, 26? I mean, they're all under like 26 yeah, or something. They're all, they're, yeah, they're all right in that age. It's outrageous. It's outrageous. The, the, the amount, and, and they ain't leaving. They're going to be on these teams. The, I think I think where you'll see the biggest problem with these quarterbacks is when you have coaching turnovers. You know, they start cannibalizing yeah. coaching staffs. Those are going to be the guys that struggle. Um, so Tennessee is probably not going to get anybody plucked from their staff this year. So if they can slide a quarterback in there, it might be a huge uptick for them. You know, especially if, you know, Brian Dable goes somewhere um, and you start taking guys from Zach Taylor's staff in Cincinnati and you start plucking away from these other teams, you know, you can get addition by subtraction of other teams for the Titans. So I'm not saying they don't stand a chance, but they do need to ditch Ryan Tannehill. I hate to say it because I really do like the guy. I'm glad that he's had a little bit of success in his post Dolphins career. Um, But yeah, time to go, Ryan. Hang it up, buddy. What do you think, Jimbo? Accurate statement? Yeah, I, I agree with everything. Um, like I said, I think he's just too turnover prone. I don't know if it's just he just makes a bad decision or if the pressure is getting to him and he just makes the worst possible mistake at the worst moment. But plus, I don't think in games where your run is struggling, you can't depend on him to constantly throw the ball and throw you into a win. You know what I'm saying? I think nope. he's bound to make mistakes. I mean, he is mobile, so he can create some space, but I just don't I don't think he's going to have what it takes to get you over the top. They've done everything possible. They've got good defense. They've got good coaching. they got a great running game. And testing it away. Agreed. Agreed. 100%. Jimbo, it's been a pleasure having you on again uh, for this championship week. And we'll finish out this uh, run of playoff talk um, next week. Coming up with a little bit of a Super Bowl preview. You know, we'll dive we'll dive deep into, into the Super Bowl. We'll go into betting trends. We'll go into uh, the hot topics, the storylines around it, and uh, everything in between. Um, but it's been a pleasure having you join us on the Melly's Hotline, my brother. Um, and uh, big ups to having you on the episode. Appreciate it, man. Oh, thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure, and I hope you're back on next week. That's it. That's it. We're going. We're going back to Mr. Perfect. One of us. One of us is gonna be Mr. Perfect this this week. I'm going me, baby. Bengals and Niners. <laughs> but uh, PC familiar out there listening, thank you again for tuning in. Please hit me up on the press coverage sports show. Give me topics. Give me thoughts. Um, we're gonna post that Hall of Fame uh, debate that we kind of went over earlier in the episode and see what you guys think about it. So be sure to reach out on the press coverage sports. You'll see it later on this week. Uh, you can find us at the press coverage sports or at go persistence media if you're looking for a platform to start your own podcast or continue one uh please reach out we got a lot of different options for you here in our studio and at our yellow table um but one thing that we always do say here at persistence culture we ask you to keep moving